Welcome to the second episode of Books of Titans. I'm Jason Staples, together with Eric Rostad, and this podcast is dedicated to the influences of influencers, the books that have helped shape the prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and other thought leaders of our time. We'll talk about what makes these books so important and influential, and we'll at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion on these important works. Today, we're going to cover The Old Man in the Sea by Ernest Hemingway, a book focused on an old man in the sea, really an old man's uh, efforts to to catch a great fish on the sea. Really a remarkable book. I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected. But uh, first, let's talk about who recommended the book. Uh, that was Jack Dorsey, Dorsey the uh, co-founder, CEO of Twitter, the founder of Square, uh, that is, of course, uh, the guy you can find at Jack on Twitter, uh, which shows just how early he was on his platform. There, I don't know if there's anything more uh, you want to say about uh, Jack Dorsey, Eric, before we uh, get into a little bit about of an, of an about the author. Uh, only to say that uh, a few years ago, I listened to the audiobook of Hatching Twitter, and uh, it was quite a mess. <laughs> that. that company quite i surprised they're still around actually not as much of a mess as uber <laughs> could be up there <laughs> could be up there yeah if anybody writes that expose on uber then uh yeah, yeah. wow <laughs> yeah yeah that'll be a good one well ernest hemingway obviously the office uh, author of uh, the old man in the sea won't go into too much about him uh but he did see a lot of war he was an American novelist. He enlisted with, uh, in World War One as an ambulance driver, and uh, during the Spanish Civil War was a journalist, and as well as in World War Two, he's president at the Normandy landings. So I think we can conclude that he observed some war and had a good, good understanding of of war. Uh, late in life, had an unfortunate encounter with a shotgun. Uh, his father. Sister and brother also committed suicide. Wow, I, I don't know that that's how I would um I would put uh, committed suicide, but okay. Wow, well, it's better than he died. The back of the of the book uh, that I have here of the old man in the sea says he died in 1961. Yes, he he did, he did un- die. He did unfortunately uh, commit suicide, which, as you mentioned, uh, was something that uh, apparently ran in his family tragically. Yep. So going on to our our next section of our favorite quotes, my favorite quote from the book was towards the beginning, and it's when they're talking about a Brooklyn baseball player being in Cuba, and they didn't have the guts to ask him if he would go fishing with them. And the old man says, I know, it was a great mistake he might've gone with us. Then he, then we would have had that for all our lives. I saw such a neat quote. We, then we would have had that for all of our lives. Uh, just thinking about decisions you make, uh, doing one thing or being too shy to not do it. Uh, the, the risk of, of asking is being rejected. The risk of not asking is not having that for the rest of your life and, and being something that you could look back at. So there's a lot of cool little language things that, that Hemingway does in this book, but that one stuck out to me in particular as being, being pretty neat. 
Yeah. So, so that line, you know, it's interesting too, because it sets up so much about this story, uh, because you have this, the, the whole point is that, you know, he was, he was, um, uh, talking about how this, this great baseball player would have been great to take him fishing, but you know, I, I was too timid to ask and I asked you to ask him and you were too timid. And it's this, this dealing with regret about not being willing to take the risk and, uh, you know, to take the big risk, uh, which in this case was not a big risk. It's, you know, just something as small as, uh, as, as inviting someone to come fishing and what, how, that one experience can really make a difference in color the rest of life, you know? And, and again, I like that. I like that quote as well. You know, this idea, then we would have had, then we would have that for all of our lives. And this one thing that, you know, sometimes taking a, making one little decision or, or taking one little risk can make such a big difference. And I think we see that in the rest of the book as well. Uh, now, as is my custom, I couldn't choose a favorite quote. I, I kind of have two. Um, which is, we may need to retitle your section. Yeah. Favorite quotes. Um, and I suppose, uh, I should put the one in the spoiler section. So we'll wait for, for that one. But, uh, the one that I can put in here, uh, before we get to the post spoiler section is fish. He said, I love you and respect you very much, but I will kill you dead before this day ends. I just love that line. I love you and respect you very much, but I will kill you dead before this day ends. And, you know, there's so much, we'll, we'll get to this in a, in a moment, but there's so much about love in this book and about respect and certain, and, and, and sort of embodying that. And, and there's so much of that in, in this book that I think this, uh, uh, this, uh, this saying or this particular statement here, this quote, again, brings out some of those themes that, that pop up throughout the book uh, and that, that really give this book a lot of, a, a lot of meat, a lot of, um, a lot of depth. But uh, we'll wait for the second quote uh, for the, uh, the nitty-gritty, the spoiler zone uh, after that. But uh, now we can go ahead and get into our overview and initial reaction, sort of big-picture stuff with respect to this book. And Eric, you, uh, you have, I think, a little bit more than me uh, to start with here. Yeah, and one of the first things, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this episode and just discussing it because uh, part of me doesn't know why I like this book. It, it's one of the, it, it's, I consider it to be one of my favorite books. I read it in college, uh, the first time I ever read it. And, and this is the second or third time I may have read it a couple times, uh, towards the beginning when I was reading it. Uh, and, and just something stuck out about it. The, the main thing I remember is the, the greediness of it. Um, Hemingway's description of, the man and the pain he's going through trying to reel this fish in, uh, not with our modern fishing technology, uh, in, in his hands, the, the line being on his hands and digging in and, and cutting his hands. You can, you can almost feel that happening. Uh, so I love that grittiness. I, 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 um, enjoyed, I, it's a small book, but it just, it seems like there's so much in the book. It's so vivid. <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. right? I mean, it's yeah. you can like not only do you feel the injuries to some; it's so well described, but you can actually 
kind of feel the fatigue as well. That's something I really noticed about it. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I, I gifted the book to my dad. I uh, At that time in my life, I didn't gift a lot of books. And so that was uh, just something I remember that, that I did um, gift that to my dad. Um, one other uh, initial reaction, and this is something I also remember from that, that first time I read it, is his description uh, when the old man is talking about the ocean, he calls it la mar in Spanish. Uh, and that's not the right it's, it's el mar. It's, it's a, it's a masculine uh, word, but the old man has such adoration for the sea and respect for the sea that he calls it la mar. Uh, he feminizes it. And in, in the book, he said that that's what people call her in Spanish when they love her. And I, I just thought it was so cool. And, and so anytime I see the ocean, I, I, I think of that line, um, Lamar, just the beauty and the, and, um, the respect, uh, of, for that beauty that, that the old man has. I just, I thought that was awesome. Well, and, and you got to keep in mind too, that Hemingway maintained, he, he lived in Cuba in mm-hmm. the 1940s and fifties. So, I mean, he was around, fishermen just like this quite a bit and and also in key west in the 1930s so i mean you think about though that that's 30 years of his life three decades of his life and and the two decades immediately prior to writing this book where he's around a lot of these types of fishermen um Mm -hmm. and you know those in, in cuba i i imagine that he probably got that from there where some of those men probably did call uh the sea la mar uh rather than el mar uh because of the attachment to the sea and, and again, feminizing it, which I, again, I think is, is, is indeed really interesting. It's a, it's an interesting way to, uh, uh, to, to show that I suppose. Yeah. I, I guess similar, uh, not to the degree, but similar to people referring to their cars in, in the feminine of saying that she calling the calling their car, she, um, but this, this one had a little more beauty to it, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But let's uh, so then uh, you, you already talked about the grittiness here. One of the things that I really got out of this book and, and sort of paid attention to pretty closely is this. And I think this might get to one. of You know, you, you, you sort of talked about how this is one of your favorite books and you're not exactly sure why <laughs> there yeah. is. I, I think there's there's a few things here. One is the subtle sort of philosophy that under underpins the book uh, and the philosophical questions that the book gets to sort of indirectly without, without, without actually directly making philosophical claims or philosophical statements. The book has, I think a lot of philosoph- a lot of philosophy to get across. Uh, I mean, specifically, there is a uh, and one of the, one of the quotes that you you mentioned there in terms of the the Lamar uh, is is a good example of this. There's a real love of nature in this book, and a specifically a calling to the beauty of nature. There's the, the, you know this book uh, you know one of the things that you see in a lot of a lot of particularly classical philosophy is is a discussion of the beautiful and the good uh you know sort of as as principles and uh and and seeing and looking for the good or the beautiful uh 
in the design of the cosmos and all these things. And the way that he writes, and specifically what he writes about here, I think in a lot of ways try to bring that across. And and at the same time, while you're while we keep being drawn to and he keeps drawing our attention to the beautiful, it's at the same time those things are also dangerous. Uh, they're involved with death. Where, you know, wherever we see beauty, we see the sort of uh, mortality of it all, and 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 that to me is one of the one of the real paradoxes of this work is the way that there's uh, that discussion or that that juxtaposition of really beautiful uh, of of not just beautiful prose but bringing across beauty and specifically beauty in the mundane right i mean this is somebody just going out to fish and you know half the book is basically talking about well you know small talk between you know the old man and 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 a boy and you know eating together and and little i mean these are are mundane like it's the most routine stuff now of course a good portion of the book is not the routine but it's actually when the routine becomes hyper real and and becomes life and death and all those things but what hemingway seems to me to really be pushing here in this book is the beauty of the mundane and at the same time, recognizing the impermanence of, ever, uh, of it all and how beauty calls to something beyond that impermanence and that, uh, and, and that you know, there's a sort of etern- eternal beauty wrapped up in the mortality of this world. And, and there's some, it, it, I just kept seeing that page after page. Of course, I didn't actually read this uh, on, on, uh, in, in, in page form, but, uh, but actually listened to the Charlton Heston version, the audiobook version, which I cannot recommend enough uh, in preparation for this episode. I listened to the to the Heston version, which, you know, he read it the way Old Man in the Sea should be read. Um, but to me, I think that's a big reason that this book is is so good and is and, and calls out so well is that it, it calls to something deep in a deep within us in dealing with the the beauty of the mundane and and forcing us to focus on things that we ordinarily would would pass over you know thinking about just the little about the birds circling overhead and and what that might mean and how beautiful that actually is the flight of a bird or the flight of various birds and you know you get this uh, this other quote here when he's you know he's uh got these couple porpoises that are around the boat and he says they are good he said they play and make jokes and love one another. They are our brothers, like the flying fish. And, you know, again, it's this, this thinking of nature as not something else, really, but as something that we're wrapped up in, that we're a part of, as a part of this cosmos. And at the same time, you know, something has to die in order for us to live, and, you know, things have to die in order for us to live, and, you know, and ultimately we will die, but there is this tragic beauty in the midst of all of it to me that that was my big picture sort of initial reaction to this book and you know i liked it more than i expected to and more than really you know you would expect to to like a book that is is not really about you know something grand or or whatnot it is about the mundane and i think that's the that's really the secret sauce of of hemingway in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. 
the mundane, but also in in this small world. I mean, the the whole thing takes place either on the shore or out in the sea of one country. You know, you're not you're not going to all these different places. It's it's uh, it's an old man going into a boat, going into the sea. But but like you said, everything is there. Uh, the porpoises, the the they're like our brothers, the flying fish. Uh, it's it's the animals he's seeing. It's the it's it's the daily part of his life, but he sees he sees the the joy. He sees the um, uh, I can't think of the word, but just the of the marlin, the 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 majesty, I guess, of the of the marlin, um, and and those are those are the big things to him. Uh, well, and, and, yeah. and again, it gets back to the love and respect of nature and of the, the, the other participants around him, not just mm-hmm. other people, but just love and respect for his environment and for everything that, that, that he sees around him and, and, and an appreciation of living in that moment. Mm-hmm. And and that's something you know that you know we hear all the time about all, all the time about mindfulness and we're going to you know talk about that on this podcast probably quite a bit. But you know this is in in that way a lot this is a very mindful story. And and in that sense reading it or listening to it is a very meditative thing. And this is a meditative story. It's very mindful. Mm-hmm. It forces you to slow down and think about like yeah. You know huh think about how that that fish would, would actually look or think about how those birds actually are interacting with their surroundings and just sit and, and look rather than hurrying through life. And, and, you know, this book, this book is, is short, but the amount of time that it's actually covering is really short, right? I mean, the, 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 uh, the vividness of the narr- of the narration, it, it's crawling initially, especially. And, mm-hmm. and that, I think is part of the beauty of it is again, it's forcing us to slow down our pace. And instead of going through life, just, you know, running past all of these really miraculous and beautiful things that we could see if we would just take the time to be mindful and and live in that moment. Instead, we're speeding toward death really quickly, but this Mm -hmm. old man is ready to die. And so he's not, he's not speeding towards anything quickly. He's, he's doing stuff. He's taking the time to, to, to drink up the last few details before he does eventually die. And, and I think that's where I think the, 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 the subtle philosophy of living in the moment and, and appreciating, appreciating what little you may have, uh, and, appreciating the beauty that is just around you. Even if you have nothing, the beauty of nature and, and the beauty of how, of how things are interconnected and all that, it's all there. And, and, and to me that, that's, that makes this book really, really worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, as we move into the next section of nitty gritty, uh, that's exactly one of the main reasons I liked this book. It, it almost gave a little nostalgia to me. I spent a lot of time when I was a kid, with my grandpa on a boat, we'd be fishing in Wisconsin. And, uh, there, there's one quote from, from, uh, this book where it says it was considered a virtue not to talk unnecessarily at sea. <laughs> and that just reminds me of my grandpa. I mean, it just, he was, he, he, we would talk, but it was mostly, you know, you were, you were there to fish. 
And me being a kid, I just wanted to get back on land where we could build a fire and make s'mores or play games in um, in the lodge or, or just do, do, stuff, do something right? else. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, my grandpa would always talk when he did talk there it was it was about enjoying that moment and, and taking a look around and yeah it might you might sit there for two or three hours and not catch a fish but there's a lot to look at there's a lot going on and um there doesn't need to be all this talking or or grand things going on but there's there's a lot of beauty in that and, and now i look back at those times as as really precious times with with my grandfather um and in really peaceful times. Yeah. And, and again, that gets back to this, you know, fishing is, and one of the reasons that so many people like fishing is, is that done the right way with this, you know, not talking unnecessarily throughout is a meditative practice, right? You go out and you just, you, you, you do your preparation and all this, and then you wait. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is actually, this is one of the benefits, actually, this is one of the beauties of, uh, of one of the reasons that I, I am so grateful for uh, the woman that I married is one of the things that I, we really both like about our particular relationship is both of us are, are fairly significant introverts such that, you know, we get home from being out in public and everything, and we need kind of, we need a break from people. And to some extent, we don't count, you know, for 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 that, uh, you know, sort of fatigue there uh, because of the openness that we have uh, with each other. But at the same point, it's 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 lovely for each of us to be married to someone that we can sit down on the couch for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, and read or do you know or do nothing and not say a word. Yeah. And just enjoy being in each other's presence without actually saying anything. And, you know, that's, that's something I really appreciate. I, I, I find a great pleasure. And, you know, again, this is something that, that you get out of these kinds of, you know, these, this, it was considered a virtue not to talk unnecessarily at sea. (laughs) Right. I mean, and your grandfather was probably, what, what did your grandfather do for a living? Well, uh, he sold insurance he, he, when, when he was younger, he was, he was a farmer. So he's a farmer for many years. And then, um, he sold, he sold life insurance for probably the last 20 years of his, of his working life. So, so he, lots of talking. Would, he, yeah. Lots of talking. Um, and lots of moving around, right? I mean, he's, he's probably, probably not just in an office at one, you know, at one place all the time. Yeah. Yep, and, and I mean he's he's still going strong. He's he's ninety four years old now. Um, <laughs> actually, he's, he's he's started to to deteriorate, but um, up into his nineties, he, he was still very very strong and, and moved around a lot. Um, and so yeah, that and I I think it's a good segue into the the old man and the the boy of this story as well because. That quote, if I remember correctly, in the book comes from the boy. It, it was considered a virtue not not to talk unnecessarily uh, at sea. Um, but what we see almost the whole time, and what what you really uh, before we we started recording, what you what you discussed, and and what really 
some I guess I hadn't thought about was just how much the old man wanted the boy's presence there with him at sea, even if there wasn't like you just described with with you and your wife, there wasn't there didn't need to be a, a constant conversation, but but the presence. And I really liked what you had started to tell me about uh, how how you saw the boy in the in the old man's relationship in this in this story and in the ramifications of that. Yeah, I mean, as we and actually this this quote uh, it came from after the boy had left. He's out on the out on the uh, on the surface at the beginning, and it's when he begins to talk to himself. Okay. And it says, yeah. you know, it was considered a virtue not to talk unnecessarily at sea, and the old man had always considered it so and respected it. But now he said his thoughts aloud so many times, or he said his thoughts aloud many times since there was no one that they could annoy, right? So, you know, mm. it's kind of continuing his meditative practice. He can speak out, out loud for himself, but, you know, there's no one out there to annoy, no, nothing, no silence really to break. But, um, but yeah, I, I, getting to, to, the, to this other piece of the nitty-gritty uh, of this book... You know, I th- I thought the book was in so many ways really about the, the the well, it's about a lot of things, but one of the major themes is the relationship between the man and the boy. In so many pages, it's like you know, depending on what version you have, uh, probably about the first what uh, sixth of the book or so is just the man and having his discussion and interactions with this boy who cares about him. Mm-hmm. And then, at different points during during his uh, his time out at, at sea, as he's trying to catch this great marlin, we get this little refrain over you know a few times where the the, the man thinks you know here's one one place he says, "I wish I had the boy to help me and to see this." No one should be alone in their old age, he thought, but it is unavoidable. And I mean, that's one of those things that it's like, oh, you know, that again, the vividness of that kind of thinking and putting yourself in the man's shoes of this is an old guy who barely has enough to eat. He's only surviving. He, he actually admits to himself because the boy has been supplying him with enough food to eat. And now he's 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 in the process of trying to catch this giant fish. And now he really, he wishes he had the boy both to help, but also to share in the triumph and to share in the, the struggle and to share in the fight. And, you know, that's the other thing is, and that's one of the beauties, again, about being married and uh, for me and my wife is that, you know, we may not have to say anything, but we can experience the same thing. And you don't have to be married for that. I mean, that's one of the reasons that, you know, going to a movie or to a show or, uh, heck going, going hiking and all that or camping or, you know, there's, there's some virtue to doing some of those things alone. And particularly if you just need the space, but more often than not, we really just don't get as much out of doing stuff out of, out of our experiences, unless we have someone else to share it with. Mm -hmm. And when, when we, when we have someone who we can look back and go, man, do you remember when we did X? You may not have said a word during that whole story, but just being able to share an experience with someone, there's something so fundamental to that about uh, uh, with our humanity, as to our humanity. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, that th- this book really hammers that hammers that that out about how we we human beings are not solitary. We're, we don't do well alone and we're not alone in the world. We we're, we're we're a part of a much larger cosmos and a much larger interaction of organisms and all of this el- all of this other stuff. But at bottom, what we really want is another human being to be able to share experiences with and to have respect from, to be able to love and to be able to be lovely to, you know, that's the old Adam Smith idea that what people really want is to love and to be lovely. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is what this is about. And, you know, this is, this gets back to then, uh, uh, you know, the, the philosophy that's buried in this, in this book is, it really is about how social ties and, 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 and mundane everyday relationships, just having someone to spend time with and to share your struggles and, and, uh, uh, victories and defeats with is, is what keeps us alive. And, and actually, yeah. you know, the thing is the old man at the end of this story, and you know, now that we're in the spoiler zone, the old man does get what he hopes for. You know, he doesn't get back with the fish intact. And, you know, that, that, you know, that's the, you know, the sort of tragedy of the story. But at the end of the story, the old man actually gets what he really needs and what he really wants. He gets respect. He's no longer, you know, uh, unlucky. He's no longer, you know, the boy will be able to come out with him now. And that's kind of the irony of the whole thing, too, is is the boy couldn't come because he, he wasn't successful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The boy's parents, you know, and, and the irony is that he if he would have been out with the old man, <laughs> that would have been the experience of a lifetime. He would have learned more than he would have lo- ever no- learned going out with. The, and they'd have been able to bring the fish back, right? Yeah, they would have brought, brought the fish back. But instead, they just bring the shell of the fish back. Um, uh, I mean, the old man just brings the shell of the fish back. A skeleton, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, I mean, and, and, and that again gets back to, we can't really have, we can't win. We can't actually have real victories and so on without each other, without mm-hmm. having someone else that we share it with. It's not really, a, you know, it's one of those things like, did you get a hole? In, did you, did you actually have a hole in one if nobody else was there to see it? <laughs> right. Does it really count if you're the only one that saw it? Like you can't share that someone else was there and, and, regardless if they need to vouch for you or not, it's the sharing yeah. of that experience that really makes it precious. I think it's still, it, it counts if you Snapchat it alone, but that's the only, <laughs> that's the only, that's the only time it counts. Yeah. But, it, but you got to actually record it. Right. Yeah. And then Snapchat yeah. it so that it, you know, it, uh, it will and vaporize in a minute. Yeah. yeah. So you can, you could, yeah, you can, yeah. Yeah. That, that's the bad thing about it though. It's, it's gone. Yeah. Well, that's not going to work for me, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, so that that to me is is a big piece of again what makes this such a really interesting and worthwhile read. Uh, and now we can get to a couple other quotes that I really liked. I mean, the other favorite quote that you know it's just again it's a little there's a little sarcasm in here, uh, but uh, it's where the old man is reflecting. Perhaps it was a, perhaps it was a sin to kill the fish. I suppose it was, even though I did it to keep me alive and feed many people. But then everything is a sin. Do not think about sin. It's much too late for that. And there are people who are paid to do it. (laughs) Let them think about it. You were born to be a fisherman, as the fish was born to be a fish. 
San Pedro was a fisherman, as was the father of the great DiMaggio. And there's there's something there, again, in, well, first of all, there are people paid to think about sin, so don't worry about that. And that's a, that's a nice little tongue-in-cheek line. But there's also, you were born to be a fisherman, as the fish was born to be a fish. And this idea of doing what you're made to do, doing what you were born to do, of be just playing your role, being you in the grand scheme of things, even if that, that you, ultimately the design of that is going to be to die at the hands of the fishermen, like with the fish, that is your great nobility, right? There is beauty in, in doing what makes you you. And there, again, that's something I really like about that particular quote. Well, and, and, and then the daily aspect of it, he, he just went out fishing every day and he was considered unlucky, but it was the habit. He, he was in the habit of, of doing the daily fishing. And so this glimpse we get in the, in this book is of a super intense period of, of his fishing life, which is just, you know, a, a, a couple of days at most. Um, but I, that's the quote you just read, what, what I love about this, it brings back that grittiness of his thought process process during this whole time, because it's like super intense. So he's got kind of these wild thoughts, but they're, they're very good thoughts too. It's like everything in his life has led up to this, but it's that it was that daily, it was the daily practice that led up to this. Um, it wasn't just a lucky day, uh, it was this. It was a, a whole life building to this, and then all, all of his thought processes is part of that as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. And and, and again, you know, there so much of this beyond the the daily stuff and all this gets back to again living now and loving and respecting the now, right? Mm -hmm. What you have now. Uh, and, and again, you get back to the, the man talks about his love for the fish, right? Mm -hmm. And his respect for the fish. You know, that's in my quote, I love you and respect you very much, but I will kill you dead before this day ends. And then later on, as he's reflecting on it, he says, you loved him when he was alive and you loved him after. If you love him, it is not a sin to kill him. Or is it more? And then, you know, again, he reflects, besides, he thought, everything kills everything else in some way. Fishing kills me exactly as it keeps me alive. And then you have that, that, that little correction. The boy keeps me alive, he thought. I must not deceive myself too much. That, that to me, like that line, everything kills everything else in some way. So he's talking about loving and respecting the fish, and, oh, it's not a sin to kill him. Well, everything kills everything else in some way. Fishing kills me as exactly as it keeps me alive, right? But then, mm -hmm. no, actually, it's the boy who keeps me alive. So much of the philosophy of the book is wrapped up in that quote. And actually, I think, you know what? I'm going to correct it. That's my favorite quote, <laughs> quote from this book. <laughs> it's that. It's that, that little wrapped up, everything kills everything else in some way. Fishing keeps me alive. Uh, uh, or fishing kills me as it keeps me alive. Oh, wait, no, the boy keeps me alive. I must not deceive myself too much. That those lines are so there's so much richness there in what he's in what he's doing. It's just yeah. 
I, I, I just think he, he really gets to the, the sort of yin and yang of nature and our interactions with nature and all these other things. And then the social stuff that really is what keeps us alive and mm. makes us human. Yeah. I liked it. The, the other quote I really liked was while he's in the process of, of, uh, of trying to land this fish up closer to the boat, he says, no one is worthy of eating him from the manner of his behavior and his great dignity. And that was cool. And it goes back to what we were talking about. He just had such deep respect for the fish, even though, um, he, he was about to kill him. Uh, did you ever read Moby Dick? I have not. And that's another one that is, uh, on my list for post dissertation, you know, post PhD reading. Yeah. That, um, that, you know, is one of those classics that, you know, you have to read, but I haven't read it. So you can go ahead and fill, fill in what you can, what, what you connections you can make here. <laughs> well, and, and I read that half a lifetime ago. Um, but it was around the time that I read, uh, the old man in the sea. And, and what I do remember is that same level of respect. You know, there's this violent action of, of actually killing these, these beautiful whales, but the respect that these people have for the, for the whales uh, comes through comes through in the writing and, and remind me a lot of uh, the old man in the sea and, and the respect that the old man has for for the marlin and the beauty of it and then just the uh, in Moby Dick as well like they, they they see the whale they look in the whale's eyes and here the marlin comes up out of the boat and the old man and the marlin look at each other eye to eye I mean that that is just the coolest thing you know they're they're in a a massive tug, tug of war here. Who's gonna, who's gonna survive? And um, one, one's in the ocean, one's above, and they, they get the chance to look, look at each other eye to eye. Yeah, size each other up and kind of respect one another. Yep. Yeah. It's it, there's there's just again, it's so rich. There's so much there, and I, I suppose now uh, is as good a time as any for us to kind of move back to the big picture, uh, come back to some conclusions or concluding thoughts. Uh, as we wrap up this this uh, this podcast, this one obviously being a little bit shorter than the first one, uh, more in line with what we would what we're going to expect, uh, I think most of the time. But uh, go ahead. Any other big picture thoughts that you have on this book? Uh, anything else to uh, that that you've got as a burning in the chest to 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 discuss? Not really. Just um, nothing big. Just just some of these small little pieces throughout the book. Uh, of descriptions uh one he talks about the fish uh, when he would bring fish in after catching them in in their unintelligent eyes and if you've ever been fishing and you you see the fish i mean that is the most perfect description of a a fish they have eyes but they're unintelligent i mean it's like there's nothing going on in them and uh this book was just stock full of of those types of two-word type of descriptions that you're like man that, that I don't know how he just did that, but that just perfectly describes uh, what he's talking about. Um, so I, I love talking about this book with you to 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 think more about uh, the boy and the the old man and the relationship there, um, and and what we had I think we had talked talked about this maybe maybe yesterday as well, but just. Uh, almost a passing off of the baton as well. And the the old man, he knows, he knows he's coming to the end of his life. Um, and, and passing, passing that knowledge on to the, 
to the boy, uh, but the boy also giving a lot to the to the old man. And, and so despite the age difference, there being a, a, a very important mutual relationship of, of learning from both sides, not that the old man had it all together and was only teaching, but that the old man was learning from the boy and the boy learning from the old man. Yeah, just so much intergenerational cooperation. And yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good place uh pretty good place to to at least come close to leaving off. I think the other thing that I was I was thinking about uh at this point is the interesting thing about how it mentions uh at one point that the that the old man no longer dreamed of storms, nor of women, nor of great occurrences, nor of great fish, nor flights, nor contests of strength, nor of his wife. He only dreamed of places now and of the lions on the beach. They played like young cats in the dusk, and he loved them as he loved the boy. He never dreamed about the boy, right? There, there's something, again, that, first of all, Hemingway kind of recognizes that our dreams, even, you know, our unconscious dreams, our unconscious mind and what, where it chooses to dwell changes over time. And sometimes we can't even figure out, like, why is it that, suddenly instead of dreaming about my wife or whatever, I'm dreaming about these lions on the beach that I saw when I was a young man and them playing around. And again, it gets to this larger sort of interconnection kind of con concept. And again, you, 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 I think flagged very well, uh, in, in this segment, uh, this interconnection, not just with, with nature and all this, but between generations and, and just so much of this book is dealing with those, with the with the the web of being uh, in this world, and 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 there's again, there's so much beauty to that. So I, I think I think we probably should just leave it with that, and, and encourage uh, anybody who hasn't read this to uh, to read it. And those of you who have read it uh, re have read it before, again, this is a good one to read meditatively and and to get a chance maybe to read before you go to bed and, and or uh, to read you know when you have a little bit of time on the beach or somewhere else or you know somewhere where you can have some some silence and 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 get the chance to uh, to sort of practice the mindfulness with Hemingway by reading this book I, th I think there's a lot to that yeah and and I I really want to listen to it as well uh, the Charleston Heston version that sounds that sounds like it would be amazing. Charleston Heston. You've been in Charleston a few too many times lately. Oh yeah. <laughs> I said I, it the I, other day when too. I, when I, when I when I said it, I was like that didn't that didn't sound right. <laughs> um, but the, uh, one final thought for me as well is when I was reading it this time, I uh, I was thinking how awesome it'll be to read this to my daughter in the near future. She's she's two and a half. Uh, I want to read it to her sometime soon, and. And I, so I read it during college and then I just read it again for, for this, um, that, that was half a lifetime ago. So it was interesting to me just to read it earlier and then to read it now. And I can't read it, wait to read it again in the future, maybe 10, 10 years from now. Uh, but then also to read it with my daughter along the, along the years and see how the meaning changes for her, what she gets out of it the first time, what she gets out of it the next time. Uh, it's, it's such a short book that, that it's something you can just pick up and, and read in an hour or two. Uh, I, I think it'll be really neat to do that with, with my daughter as well. To read it with her before you take her on a, on a fishing trip, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Let's go catch a marlin. <laughs> yeah, there you, there you go. All right, well, that's going to do it for us today. Now, uh, once again, before we get out of here, just a reminder that you can follow along with us at booksoftitans.com and, of course, ping us on Twitter or on Instagram at booksoftitans. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast and find all one of our past episodes through through iTunes, the Android Marketplace, or your podcast manager of choice. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to give it a few five-star ratings on iTunes and share your favorite episodes on social media. We'll be back soon to discuss the new book, which will be The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. On behalf of Jason Staples, I'm Eric Rosted, and this has been the Books of Titans podcast. Thanks for listening. I made this.